It's the Cracker Rugby Podcast. It's the URC Fixtures Are Finally Out edition. On the line today, I've got William Davis. How are you today, William? I'm good, Alan. Very good indeed. Enjoying the sunshine. It's, uh, it's a beautiful end to August. It most certainly is, and it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day for the, the Women's Interpros, which you'll be commentating on tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a, a warm, sunny day at the sports ground, which is uh, an unusual combination. Looking forward to it. It's great to uh, get rugby back there, and um, hopefully nearly it's it's nearly a sellout now. Hopefully by the time the, uh, it's done and dusted, it will be a sellout. It'll be 500 spectators, and it'll be great. Yes, yes. And as we're in the, the podcasting world, this podcast will go out after the match is played and we will hopefully have some audio to to listen to but we'll we'll pre, we'll, we'll come to that in a little while we also had a new jersey launch today the european jersey was launched today i think it's called a teal color looks like off green to me but yeah teal teal looks like an andy away jersey so it looks like the season's starting to finally get going yeah uh London Irish game confirmed as well for Friday, September the 10th at 5.30pm. Um, tickets for that are going to be very dependent on the government's pathway announcement here next Tuesday, the 31st of August. So we don't, we, they don't know, Connacht don't know. I would assume they'd be trying to get more than 500 people in, uh, but they've promised to let people know as soon as possible after that uh, government announcement it really has been a busy busy day it's it's rugby's been bobbing along during the summer with the lions tour and players signing and coming back to training and all this but now we're getting very close to the business end and fingers crossed uh mr covid will not be as prevalent or as much of an issue this season it's it's still around but uh, people are getting ready to go. And these fixtures coming out now has sort of galvanised that, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're away to Cardiff. It's, it'll be the fourth time we'll have played Cardiff in the first game of the season. We currently lead the Series 2-1 in that respect. They were the first, our first ever opposition in, in the Celtic League, as it was back then, back in 2002, 2001. And we played them in Cardiff. They were pretty pretty decent side back in those days. And we pulled off a surprise 6-3 victory. It must have been thrilling at the time. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a similar result this time. I, I would take six three this time. Yeah, Friday, <laughs> September the twenty fourth, um, and then it starts uh, home to the Bulls the following Friday night, seven thirty five again. Home to the Dragons the following Saturday, quarter past five. That's the ninth of October. Then two Inter Pros away to Munster Saturday, October the sixteenth, seven thirty five. Uh, Saturday, October the twenty second, home to Ulster, quarter past five. Uh, and then we have this very long gap of a month. Uh, Ireland will play four internationals in that period. Then Connacht are back in action again on the 26th of November, Friday, against the Ospreys at home, 7.35. Following Friday, they're away to Leinster at a quarter to eight. Uh, and then it's two rounds of European rugby. The fixtures for that are due shortly. So there'll be one home or one away game on the weekends of the 10th and 17th of December, uh, St. Stephen's Day, Sunday, December the 26th, Ulster versus Connacht, quarter past five in Belfast. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, mm. Saturday, January the 1st, Connacht versus Munster, quarter past five. And then a change 
no longer three interprovincial matches at Christmas because on Saturday, January the 8th, Connacht will play the Stormers from Cape Town. So that's your first 10 rounds of uh, URC games. It's a 6-4 home away bias. Weekend of January the 29th, after two more European rounds, they will be at home to Glasgow. And that's where you do seem, well, that's where you def clearly see that after the first 11 games, you've played seven at home and four away, which means your final seven games is going to be two at home and five away. And that's a very, I don't think that's a great balance. I haven't spoken to anybody in Connacht. I'd say they're a bit frustrated with this because you then go away to the Scarlets, away to Edinburgh, home to Leinster. Look, the fixtures, everybody will be able to see these fixtures. But basically what you've got, it must be hoped that the, the longer the season goes on, the easier it's going to be to get fans in. That's mm. you're going to, You would think you would start with smaller numbers and work upwards. Mm-hmm. The problem for Connacht is after January the 29th, Home to, uh, that's the weekend of January the 29th. That's, we don't know exactly when the fixture is. They play Glasgow. Mm. They won't be at home again till March the 26th against, sorry, weekend of March the 26th against Leinster. And then they will have one final home game on the weekend of May the 21st against Zebra. Which, uh, which so, might be the only home game of the season after March, depending on how we do in Europe. Well, in Europe, there'll definitely be a home game because the round of 16 is a double header. Uh, it's an aggregate game. So you're good. guaranteed well, that's one something. more. That's something. Yeah, yeah uh, you are guaranteed one more home game in Europe if you get into the round of 16. So the April, for example, is away to Benetton. Two European rounds, one home, one away, provided they get there. Uh, one of which is at Easter, which is not an easy time for people fans to travel. And then they're off to South Africa for two games. It just looks a bit odd, mm. the way this has been laid out. Um, I remember a couple of years ago being at a fans members forum for Middlesex Cricket Club, where I'm a member. And most of it was dominated about fixtures. Mm. And the head of cricket at the time, Angus Fraser, I think he, he, he was standing up there and everybody was standing up and he said, look, nobody is ever going to be fully happy with fixtures. What, because if you, if you please Peter, Paul's fuming or vice versa. Mm. But I think this is a bit uneven. Uh, and it's this, it's this gap, it's this weird situation of from March the 26th, May the 21st, you could have one home game there. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. And I, you know, organizations talk about engagement. They've made this decision to stop during the Six Nations, to stop during the Autumn Internationals. Mm. The proviso being that players would be more available. Well, I don't think players will because players will go into camp bubbles for their international sites. They have to be rested. So there's no guarantee that stopping games in those is actually going to give you any more access to your international players. It's a new competition. There's new structures in place. There's new TV deals in place. And really what we all want is just 
let's get playing, let's stay playing. Yes, and so. that's that that's the key, isn't it? It is, it is. And I'm just looking at you know, if you look at it, we get two weeks in a row where we're at home, the the first of October, the ninth of October. Then then we're away. Well, it's in Munster, so it's not that far away. Then there's two more home games in a row. Well, effectively two in a row with the the gap for the inter pros or the the internationals. So you've got Ulster and then Ospreys at home. Then you've got the December third. In December we'll have one home game, but in January there's a possibility of January first, January eighth, and then the following week another home game. So you could end up with three home games in a row in January. Actually, yes, you're going to have you're, you're going to have four out of five weeks in January where we're at home. And what it boils down to, Alan, is this: after we Connacht have played Cardiff on the first game, hmm. they will not leave the island of Ireland to play a URC game till February, which is the Scarlets. Now they will go and play two games in Europe, yep. but again, that's as you say, there's 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 a potential for home game after home game after home game, hmm. uh, and that's great. But again, if I was looking at it from the perspective of getting fans in. Hmm. I'm thinking, yeah, but you see, in March and April, the situation might be so much better. Yes. For fans. Yes. Uh, we don't know. We've no idea. And all I can say is every sports organization is fighting this, and they have done a remarkable job. They haven't got it right all the time. You wouldn't expect them. It's impossible. Yeah. But this fixture list just looks uneven to me. Uh, yes. But that's the way it is. And roll on um, ro- roll on the 24th of September, roll on the 10th of September. Let's get London Irish in for a game. Tonic yeah. will also play Worcester the previous Friday, the 3rd in Worcester, right. um, which is a, another warm-up game uh, for them. And then, well, you know, it's four weeks to, it's, what it boils down, it's four weeks tonight. Uh, it'll be Cardiff on that, Lovely artificial pitch at the Arms Park. Oh, you love that pitch. You love that pitch. <laughs> well, I, Alan, I watched a lot of the under-20 stuff there uh, this summer. And, I mean, it's just... It's a different... It's, a, it's almost it's a different just, game. It's a lottery. It's a complete yeah. lottery. If you're a fullback, good luck. Because you don't know whether the ball is going to bounce and hit your big toe or bounce yeah. and go over your head. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and I mean, I did see one guy, I think he was Italian, go down to pick the ball up and it just bounced over his head. Mm. <laughs> he yes, yeah, yeah, like, what the hell? But anyway, exactly. that, 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 that's what it is. Europe didn't go very well last year for Connacht at any stage, Champions Cup or Challenge. Mm-hmm. They will want to get a statement made there this this season. So those fixtures will be maybe, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Um, because they're linked into all this because teams want proper gaps. Yes. For example, Friday, December the 3rd, away to Leinster. The following uh, weekend, you could be away to Leicester or um, Stade Francais. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could be home to them. So you, you'll want that game to be played well if we get an extra day. You know, Connor be saying, well, can we have, Saturday would be good. Sunday would be even better. But then if you play on a Sunday and then you're asked to play on a Friday, it's... This is a it's a conundrum for the clubs and the TV companies and the organisers, uh, and we just have to wait and see what they come up with. But Europe is Europe will be the final pieces of the jigsaw. And of course, one of the other things from the professional side of the the, the game was that the European jersey and the away jersey came out today. I have to say, um, the more I look at the European jersey, the the teal is is quite an interesting colour. I'm sure the, it'll go very well with jeans. 
um, which I think was used to be the thing about it. But then I might be so old, I'm, I'm way out of touch with it. But I do like the black jersey. I have to say, the black away jersey looks looks really cool. And um, yeah, let's leave it at that. Where neither of us are particularly fashion conscious type guys. Of course, tomorrow you're going to be in a beautiful sunny sports ground to um, commentate on the the first interpro of the women's season, where Connacht take on Leinster, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, three Saturdays in a row for the women, uh, many of whom haven't played a game of rugby since March 2020, which is staggering. They've just been training and training and training. They're, they've been training since the start of June under their uh, head coach, Ross Mannion, and his crew. Um, it, I suppose it, it's 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 a negative to start with, but you have to probably talk about it. There, the, the Irish international squad have not released any players back to any province mm. for this interprovincial series, uh, which is being covered on national television for the first time ever as well. The reason for that, I think, is look, it, it, it's pretty simple. The competition they're involved with now is a vital qualification for the next Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand next uh, September, October. They have three games to play. They're going to Parma. Lovely part of the world we've been there, Stadio Lanfranchi, um, and some of the best food and wine you'll ever come across. It's a brilliant place to travel yep. to. Yep. Um, but they won't be thinking about that. They are, they're playing Italy, they're playing Scotland, they're playing Spain. The winner of that goes straight to the World Cup. The runner-up goes into the what they're calling the final, final uh, round-robin competition. Um, it's a bit tricky to start on a negative but the IRFU have, and the Ireland women's uh, squad unit, have not released any players back at this stage to the interprovincial series. They have a vital World Cup qualification tournament in Parma. Uh, they're playing Italy and Scotland and Spain. The winner of that goes straight to the rugby uh, World, Women's Rugby World Cup next year in New Zealand, mm-hmm. which is a must it really is a must for women's rugby that they get to that. It's the top 12 teams in the world. If you don't qualify for that, it's going to be a very tricky year next year, plus the start of another cycle. So they've just made this decision. So it means that players like Nicola Friday, Laura Feely, and obviously Vivian Parsons are not available for the Interpros. Bearing in mind that all these players are amateurs, some of the women who are in the Ireland squad are playing professionally in England, but the other players are amateurs, not in the way they practice and train, let me tell you, Mm. but in the fact that they are students or they have to go to work. They have to to go out into a different world. So it's a very complicated situation. But speaking to Ross Mannion last weekend, I interviewed him for Galway Bay. They've known about this and they've just dealt with it. Yeah. So we're going to move on from that now. It's really about the 23 women for Leinster and the 23 women for Connacht that they pull on that jersey and they go out there and they do their best and they're not going to be worried about who's available and who's not available Leinster have 14 players away at the Ireland squad Mm. they've also had a number of retirements so they are coming at this slightly uh, differently as well Mm. and their press conference during the week they, they just wanted to talk about what they were going to do and the fact the excitement among the players, of actually just getting to play rugby. 
not yeah. train, not go to the gym, not do drills, not do this, not actually run out on the field. The referee blows the whistle, and off you go. Yeah, uh, and that's I, yeah. It, it's something about the women. I, I'm I'm away this weekend. I'm, I'm back at my parents' house, um, and that's why I'm recording this. So it might sound different than what I normally do. Um, so I'm missing the game, and and the one thing I'm I'm going to miss more than anything is our opportunity that we get to to interview them afterwards because the the, the sheer joy they have of playing the game. Is, is wonderful and you'll get that opportunity hopefully tomorrow to talk to someone with a bit of luck with a positive result for Connacht too Well absolutely and I'm also looking forward to having uh, Ali Miller as my uh, co-commentator uh, whose sister is playing for Leinster Yeah. So, so I'll have to have a little word about that beforehand <laughs> but she uh, Ali talking to me earlier in the week said well sure I played against her two years ago in the final That's right That's And right, I said which... did you which we covered said, live, if you remember. Yes, we which did. we covered live uh, two years ago before anybody had ever heard of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, and the world is. Uh, it's, yeah, if you'd been, if that night somebody had explained it to you, you would have just shrugged your shoulders <laughs> and said, nah, "I don't think so." That's you've obviously been reading too many Stephen King books or watching yeah, too many yeah. series, HBO television series. But we've we've come a different way. But it's going to be really interesting to get her insights into the game as well and. Um, they roll on. They're playing Munster the following weekend away. And then, slightly annoyingly, they're playing Ulster, but it's a double header at Energy or Park. Mm. Uh, I can sort of understand why they've done that. But I'm again, it, it means Connacht have lost out on a home game, uh, which means fans, if they want to go and watch it, have to travel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that, that's a big demand. Mm-hmm. It was interesting talking to Leinster. This was fascinating. Uh, Michelle Claffey was 13 tomorrow for Leinster and is uh, one of the vice captains of the team. She made an interesting point to one of the uh, newspaper journalists, and something I hadn't thought about. She said, women's rugby has changed radically in the last three years because players are starting to play earlier. And they're coming through structures where they're playing at 16, 17, 18, 19. She made the point that a lot of players previously didn't start playing rugby till they were 22, 23, because mm-hmm. they'd come from other backgrounds. Basketball was mentioned, uh, ladies Gaelic football, camogie, other sports. But she said, now there's a structure in place so that players, she said, the biggest change she's seen is players are coming in now with higher skills levels because they're being coached at a younger age. And there's now a pathway to get into rugby earlier. So that was really interesting. And that's something we need maybe to, to, to tease out a bit. Yeah. Uh, I hope to get Ross Mannion maybe to have a chat with us. I think after the Interprovincials and just he, he's the head coach and just see where he thinks it's going. Um, I have to say, from my they, point of view, as, as, as a father of twins, a boy and a girl, you know, and my daughter had to give up playing the game at, at 12 back in the day because she had no options. There was no games for them to play. Like to, to to think that this is going to be on national TV and girls who make up 50% of the population or there or thereabouts have this opportunity to see women playing a game at a high level on TV. And it's that what you know, they have that phrase, if it if if they see it, they'll they'll want to, to replicate it. And I think this is this is brilliant and it's fabulous from TG Cahar to to take this on and to put it out live and to put it out live on a, on a Saturday afternoon. Like it's, this is not being hidden away somewhere. This has been put at, you know, full on 
TV watching time. So hopefully it'll it'll inspire plenty more young girls. Now that the opportunity oh, yeah, is there, yeah, right? yeah, and, and, and I think the, I think the clubs are aware of that, mm. and there is this 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 pathway situation. For example, on Sunday at the High Performance Centre, Connacht under eighteen girls play Leinster. Now on the same day, the Connacht under nineteen boys and under nineteen men. Not quite sure what that that that's that's how it's described. <laughs> they also play Leinster, and that's going to be at the um, Energy Park. But you'd expect that. Yes, but it's the fact that there is an underage girls team there, so they're coming in. Yes, uh, and that's that's how the game will develop and, and grow. Um, the big challenge, as we know, at international level, is New Zealand are professional, England are professional, France are what is described the semi-professional, and Canada are kind of in between, and everybody else is amateur. And the one thing I will tell you. Amateur and professional sport does not mix. It nope. just doesn't happen. So that's a big choice coming down the road for some of the other unions. Um, well, it certainly is, but, and it's it's you know let's let's get as many people out watching these games and supporting them. And as you say, the sports ground is practically full out, sold out for the match tomorrow. And and um, you know that helps generate money and helps generate cash. So hopefully we'll we'll see a little bit more of it. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we? move forward into the future and have a listen to um, a quick summary, hopefully from Ali and um, the post-match interviews that you'll have got after the game, which would have been luck Connacht will have won. Ross, you've just uh, had a long chat with your team out in the middle there after the uh, match. What's, what are you picking out of that five point defeat? They had their chances. It was a, it was a bit of a tough one to take maybe. Uh, it, it is a little bit I suppose the main thing we were saying is that for, for this group now it's um, there can't be any looking back from this one I, I think we kind of did leave it behind a little bit you know if we're being brutally honest and this is where we want to go with this um, this programme you know we want to be contesting for these championships every year um, you know I think we proved to everyone today that we're, we're well able you know what I mean uh, we're well able to compete um, just just errors you know too many errors too many penalties uh, I would argue with a few penalties but that's everyone in terms of the ones that went against us I thought we were very quick to get a yellow and they got no yellow after repeated infringements so that's very frustrating when, it's, when it, there isn't a balance in some respects from the referee um, but look ultimately I am immensely proud I'm disappointed that we lost but I'm immensely proud of the group because of what they've put in um, they put in a, a fantastic performance a, a fantastic advertisement for Connacht Rugby and for themselves as individuals yeah, they really got their pattern going in the first half and when they went in, they just gave away maybe that uh, sloppy try just uh, just on half time. You really had the feeling was Leinster were, were backpedalling at that stage. The second half was probably more of a just a, a tussle, but uh, it's just small things, isn't it? Yeah, it was just that connect on defence uh, and unfortunately they, they broke through in the centre, you know, so it was a bit of a soft score just before half-time, which was disappointing. Um, I thought our D was immense and credit to, to Gilly, um, our defensive coach. Like, he, it was immense and the work rate of the girls was fantastic on that. Um, but yeah, ultimately then, as you were saying, the second half became a little bit scrappy and we never really got a, a purchase or momentum into it. You know, we were always kind of on the back foot in some respects, so... We just need a little bit of possession and go forward in that second half, I think, just to try and get a score or two out of the game. Uh, maybe a decision we could have, instead of going for post, we could have went for, or sorry, instead of going for touch, we could have went for post, you know, and just claw back into the game maybe a little bit. But, you know, that's, that's rugby and that's sport. 
and next Saturday now away to Munster so you've just got to focus on that straight away yeah I think look you have your moment now where you're frustrated upset um, we regroup we'll get the video together for, for hopefully tomorrow um, and then back on the pitch on Tuesday and prep for, for Munster you know and we go and hunt for a win down there you know like we have to target two wins now to the next two games have to because our, our, our ultimate goal was to win this you know so uh, so disappointed but we move on we've got a significant uh, background noise here Ali it's uh, quite a buzz around the ground after that uh, game played in bright sunshine yeah very tight game and obviously supporters were getting behind both teams and it came right down to the wire but uh, ultimately Leinster just got the better of Connacht um, but very tight game I think Connacht are really disappointed I think they uh, when they go back and look at that they had them a couple of times and they just couldn't quite get it done yeah I think Connacht probably to me played the better rugby today probably looked like all their players looked like they were on the same page and they went out with you know units and what they were trying to do I think probably the issue Leinster just had a little bit more possession and saying that they weren't as clinical as Connacht the opportunities they had but just they had more opportunities so they just got over the line and got that win but I think Connacht will be disappointed um, not to get the win just really you know uh, number 13 Michelle Claffey was probably maybe just the difference in the two teams she got two individually good tries and you know that was probably just the difference in the two teams really yeah, it, it, it probably was. And I suppose, I mean, look, both of these sides are missing a number of players who are off at international camp, but they kind of seized the opportunity. Second half, they were, I think they were struggling a bit in the heat. It is unbelievably warm here. I, I've been coming to this ground. This is my 48th season coming here, started today. This is the hottest I've ever experienced at the sports ground. Yeah, it's very warm out there. And like to play in that heat is difficult and at any time, but to play in that heat... Are- considering you haven't probably played a competitive game in two years is going to be hard for both players so that's definitely an issue and I think maybe what made of Leinster might have just been the fitter team at the, at the end to get over the line and get that win but um, yeah definitely the Heat would have had a part to play it's not something we really ever have to worry about in our <laughs> too often so we won't complain about it but it definitely probably had an impact on the players out there just give me a sense you're uh, a multi-capped international uh, very experienced rugby player where do you think women's rugby is at at the minute? There's, you know, we've, we've, I've just alluded there to the fact that players are missing at Ireland camp, but then they have to qualify for the, for the rug, Women's Rugby World Cup. There's, there's no alternative. That is a, a prospect that nobody can even contemplate. No, yeah, they do have to qualify, and they are going to be favourites going into these qualifiers after the Six Nations run, considering the other teams. Um, they've bet the other teams in the Six Nations, and they've beaten them. So Ireland are going to be the favourites. I don't know will they like being favourites going into the tournament, but they have to qualify. Ireland have played in the last uh, you know, three World Cups and have been relatively... Obviously, 2017 wasn't a great result, but they, you know, they got to the World Cup. So um, I suppose w- women's rugby around the world is really thriving and growing and you have professionalism in the club game in England, professionalism in the international game, England, France, New Zealand all these teams are kind of semi-professional so at the moment Ireland aren't I would like to see them going semi-professional I don't see why not I mean it's just a matter of contracting you could contract you know a group of players that are able to con- to be contracted other players won't be able to with their jobs but I think if you contracted maybe 10-11 players to start off at, and get those players training full time you know I think um, it would be a great step in that process to becoming because I think at the end of the day ultimately you you got to keep up with what the other countries are doing. You can't complain about it 
and you just have to go with like so all like fair play to England for you know taking the lead on that like it's up to the other nations to go and try and match them on those fronts and if you can't match them well you have to get really inventive in your amateur status get the players working as smartly and as effectively as you can without tiring them because they've got jobs so there's no point you know burning the candle at both ends you have to be really imaginative and creative about how you have maybe have hubs in the provinces where the players work on skills and conditioning during the week and where they they have professional coaching them coaches coaching them in their provinces and they come together at the weekend camps so that limits the driving that the players are doing different things like that I think can be effective um, you know trying to match the England and France because we're a little bit like we are far off we're a little bit far off the France and England at the moment and I know the Ireland team probably didn't play particularly well against France but I think France show what a good team they are so we're trying to bridge that gap um, and to go and not just qualify for the World Cup, but to perform at that World Cup, I think is really important because you would have seen the impact that the 2013 Grand Slam had on, on girls. They came and joined clubs around Ireland and some of those girls are now playing 2014, the World Cup beat New Zealand. That had a huge impact as of the 2015 uh, Six Nations win. So you like success breeds interest and it breeds more success. So it's important to um, get that success and the best thing to promote women's rugby in Ireland would be success really ultimately you can you can have all these grassroots programs but really what would drive numbers and drive standards would be for Ireland to win a six nations in the next few years or to perform at a world cup to get a semi-final or final so I think we have to be ambitious and there's no problem with being mega ambitious it just takes everyone to get on board and drive that you know ambition and everyone get behind it from that, is there a suggestion maybe that the IRFU don't have that ambition or they're, they're looking maybe more at sevens than fifteens? How, how do you think they're coming at this? I know they've had the COVID issue. It's, it's, it's there for everybody. But the sport, the sport, nothing stands still in sport. No, nothing stands still in sport and you can't just be happy. I know the you know, they were happy with their own success this year in the Six Nations, but ultimately you always have to strive to be better and to be better. So yeah, like there is a huge focus on sevens, which is great because you know, it gets people playing. But it's also a different game. So yes, you have players coming from the sevens game, highly skillful, you know, fit, strong. It's a different game, fifteen. So you're gonna have to give them time if they're coming from sevens into the fifteens a lot of time in camp to get used to the game and get used to different combinations but the issue with focusing mainly on sevens is if that's their priority is you're not working on the you know the the, the eight players in the pack you know maybe back rowers play a bit of sevens but you know your front five really I mean they need to, to be able to learn the nitty and gritty stuff that you, you don't do in sevens so um, yeah there is a huge focus on sevens unfortunately our women's sevens team haven't qualified for the last two Olympics yes our men did and competed there in Tokyo but we haven't seen that so I think you know um, both codes need to be respected and look they're both different games so it's it's not just a matter of bringing girls in from sevens into fifteens we see we see players that might be really good at fifteens and not good at sevens and just players that are really good at sevens and not fifteens and that's just the way it is there's players in the middle that can play both and play both really well but I think uh, probably in the French game we saw a few issues around defensive situations where maybe just the lack of playing 15s at a high level in week in week out maybe just caught us off guard a little bit and we conceded you know set piece tries but um 
seems to be like uh, there seems to be a lot of focus on maybe sevens at underage levels but I think there needs to be the same focus with 15 the 15s game at under 18 and at grassroots levels because I mean sevens is brilliant but maybe there's not the same following of a sevens team around the world as there is you know a women's team women's six nations team a men's six nations team a Connacht men or women's team because people come to these games and they can follow them and the peop you know, they're they're on week in, week out. So um I think that's important that um you know, both are given equal opportunity. Talking about opportunity, uh Connacht now off to play Munster next uh, weekend down in in Cork. They'll have to bounce back fairly quickly from this, won't they? Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate I really it's unfortunate that um there isn't the semi finals like twenty nineteen because I mean, you're training for two or three months and then you play and you've your first game, you, you, you've, they've lost today, narrowly lost, and then they've only two more games. And you're still probably, yes, you've had in-house games, but you probably still don't know certain players what they can give you in a competitive environment. So they've seen some players today, yet they might need to make changes. So they really need to, yeah, get back on the horse and... You know, focus on. There's no reason why they can't beat Monsters. Showed today how good they are. Um, really well coached. Uh, really look like they're all on the same page. Just maybe lacked a few maybe areas like the line out kind of let them down. Um, just a missed tackle in midfield for one of Leinster's trial. Just looking at their defence, you know. Um, so there's no reason why they can't beat Leinster. They'll have to, you know, regroup and get back to training on Tuesday and go from there and watch. Obviously, I've watched the footage of Munster, Munster's game against Ulster, and see, you know, what um, opportunities they have to nitpick at um, Munster's game and see where there's opportunities for, you know, scores and any parts of weaknesses of Munster's game. No, there was. A certain Grace Miller playing today who came out on the winning side. Have you had a chance to have a chat with your sister who was uh, instrumental in making Leinster's uh, first try with a very good offload pass? Yeah, she had a good game. Um, I was hoping that she'd play well but that Connacht would win, you know, that would be the best uh, outcome. But uh, yeah, I was talking to her after the game. She said uh, she felt it was a bit like to be expected a lot of girls haven't played in two years and it's a little bit rusty there's a lot of handling errors and the heat was was hard out there and um, just getting used to it she t- felt and it's interesting she felt that Connacht were very physical and more physical than Leinster she felt just from a player perspective so that's a positive for um, for Connacht going on to next week that, that, that they can bring that physicality and that, that they felt that you know Connacht were very physical today so um, I'm sure she'll fill me in a bit more how she felt after the game and also, a little lady today made her first appearance at a rugby match, baby Ruby, who's been around for, was born about 12 weeks ago. 12 weeks ago, yeah. So my first baby, yeah, baby Ruby. So she's brought up to the sports ground for her first rugby match. So she didn't, she seemed to enjoy it. There was no crying anyway. So uh, you never know. We might see her out in the pitch in a few years or probably knowing me and her father are very sporty. She probably won't be one bit sporty. <laughs> I won't probably play at all. But uh, I'll look, whatever she wants to do, we'll be happy. But yeah, it was nice to see her there and to see her aunt play and... Many of my friends playing there today. Yeah, well, I have to say one of the coolest people in the whole place was Baby Ruby because it was roasting here. Ali, great to talk to you. We'll catch up again soon. We'll be watching the, the rest of this tournament with great interest. Yeah, and it's great to see it on the TV. It's really, really good to see it being televised and it gives great exposure to a lot of the players here and people can watch interprovincial rugby. They haven't seen that yet. They've only ever seen international. So it's great that the women's game is getting that uh, spotlight. 
But I think that's. I think we should leave it at that. We've got a, a full-on preview we need to do in, in the next couple of weeks when we get the rest of the Craggy crew together um, and do a proper preview of what should be a fascinating season, even if the fixture list is a bit lopsided. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad and confused. Don't wait until you...